Hello, everyone, and welcome to Knowledge Quest, your student experience podcast. My name is Slate Thackeray, and today on the show, I sit down with my old friend, Maya Clough. She's a ceramic artist who's currently practicing her art in Bozeman, Montana. Maya talks us through the fragile nature of ceramics and likens the practice of using something so temperamental like clay to how we can be brave in our everyday lives. My favorite tidbit is towards the end, and it is about how bravery is so closely related to failure. Take a listen. Hello, welcome in everybody. I'm so happy that you are here, uh, that you are spending your time with us. Maybe it's the morning, maybe it's the afternoon, maybe it's the evening. Wherever you are in time and space, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to sit down or to walk with us. Um, As always, uh, this is a place of learning. This is a place of growth, um, a place where we ask questions boldly and we laugh a lot. And, uh, and where, as I've told you before, I just, I feel so blessed because I just, I go out and I ask all of my dearest friends uh, and strangers who become dearest friends to join me on the show. And today is a dearest friend, Maya Clough. I'm so happy you are here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Slade. I am so honored when you asked me to join you. So Maya, today we're going to be exploring um, what might be one of my, maybe like my cheesier titles, but sometimes you just got to go with it. We're going to, so the art of being bravery of, oh my gosh, the art of being bravery, the art of being brave. Um, And listeners uh, from the intro, you know, Maya, you are an artist, you're a ceramic artist. And which encompasses all of ceramics, yes? Right, yes. Ceramic artist is a very broad term, but I specifically am a ceramic sculptor. Um, I have done pottery in the past, but my primary focus in my studio right now is ceramic sculpture. Okay. So Maya, let's just like, let's utilize our time and let's like hop right into the first thing. I, tell us about your process. Like, where does it come from? Where does the work come from? What do you decide to make? What do you trash? I didn't include that in my initial question, but like, what yeah. doesn't make it <laughs> onto the table? Uh, and like, and then what do you, like, what do you shy away from? But you know, like, I gotta go there. I gotta go that place. So I know that's like three questions. So you just start, you attack wherever you wanna start. Sure. So um, we start kind of thematically. So I currently, my studio work, work under the large theme of the maternal experience. Um, like I said, I'm a ceramic sculptor. I do uh, sculptures of the human body, primarily female bodies or of children or of segmented portions here and there. Um, and thematically, my work started going down this realm of the maternal um, in between the second and third year of my um, BFA, Bachelor of Fine Arts. And uh, when I had my first child over summer break, and uh, so it was a very tumultuous time of having a child much sooner than I had thought I was going to in the middle of school and all of the everything trying to continue school and figuring out who I was as a young woman and figuring out who I was as an artist. And so I found myself in motherhood 
right at this crucial time um, where I was having to make some pretty critical decisions in my degree as far as, far as what voice my art was going to take. So um, it kind of naturally came to be where I was looking at my own experience and saying, hey, I wonder what other people are, what the work looks like that other people are making about motherhood. Like half of the population is a woman, so that means half the population has at least the potential to go through this experience. So there must be so much art about it, right? And yeah. um, I was very quickly disappointed and shocked to find that there really just wasn't a lot in the art historical canon about authentic experiences of motherhood. Um, you know, yeah. you got a lot of Virgin Marys uh, and uh, some more just kind of like tame versions, but it was really hard. Like it was a lot, it was a lot of pretty intense research to dig out and figure out where this niche, which was weird that it was a niche, it was a very niche art subject was located. I found yeah. it eventually, but um, then I also found that I had a lot of passion for it and um, wanted to make work about it. So that's kind of the origin story about how I ended up where I am now. Okay. Yeah. So now, already, sorry, not, not to interrupt. Yeah, no, please. But already, um, as we are, as we're just now tiptoeing into the waters of, of Maya and yeah. exploring the concept of bravery and this, what I wrote down was like life insertions, like. <laughs> you can say that about three times more. <laughs> you know, just this process of, uh, you're going through life and you're you have this one thing in mind and and then suddenly like okay life life insertion here we go <laughs> i wasn't planning on that and the process and it sounds like the your art being a way for you to process that life that life insertion and and what came of that but so tell us more what what came of that process and 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 what are you learning from that process? Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, that's where it all started. And um, since then, like, we, again, I said, I did find people that were making work similar to, the, to this, but um, I really kind of entered this theme of working at a really good moment in history as far as um, the internet age, right? And because uh, there, prior to me, there were quite a few groups of people that were making work about maternal experiences like in the 70s you know around like the feminist revolution right um and uh, but when i entered into it and i was really starting to research into it there were a couple different pockets of people on the internet that were also kind of saying like hey who else is out there how can we connect like we gotta kind of uh advocate for this topic to be more taken more taken uh yeah more seriously in the art world um because there's a lot of this idea that um, kind of in, in like email tops in, topics in general, but definitely definitely happens specifically with motherhood that um, there's, there has been, it's getting better, but there has been a view that motherhood is not a serious enough topic for the art world yeah. as far as it's overly sentimental and like just generally topics with like women and children aren't like, deep and rich and hmm. intrinsic intrinsically valuable you know yeah. who to guess right but um 
Anyway, so at, so at this point, I that I was starting my research and starting to find how I was going to approach this topic, there were lots of other people that were also saying, I'm also making work about this. We need to kind of vocalize and advocate for mother artists um, and just maternal topics in the art world. So speaking of bravery, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was very vulnerable as a student, for sure, to number one, just even continue school while I had a newborn and was going through pregnancy. You know, I didn't take any time off. I, like I said, I had, I gave birth to her, to Isla, my daughter, um, the summer, on summer break. So she was born in July and I took that short maternity leave during the summer and then was right back to school end of August and continued um, down that path. But then also, so to just be pregnant in school and to have an infant while I was trying to finish, finish my degree, um, was yeah it was I think it, looking back on it I can say I was a lot more brave than I gave myself credit for mm. in the moment and in the moment it was like purely survival I just kind of kept my head down <laughs> and said like this is what I want I'm really passionate about this I want to graduate I really want this to be my career yeah. um so I just have to do it I don't have any other options right and uh yeah looking back I'm like oh my gosh this, there was a reason I didn't choose to do it that way for a reason, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. but um, anyway, so then also having this, like, like I said, kind of weirdly niche topic of working in also was very vulnerable um, yeah. and continues to be vulnerable in some ways, though, like I said, it is getting better as far as the general community advocacy is is getting louder, which is yeah. which has been really great. And like I said, I'm very lucky to be working in the way that I do now with the community that's coming up. Maya, to stay in this place, you just said something, right? Like, so, you know, bravery, maybe it's related to hindsight. I'm wondering, tell us, tell us about, walk us through, as you look back on that young woman, right? Um, and she would, and if she's like, this isn't bravery, this is just survival, why would you tell her? she's being brave because I totally agree with you I just tell us more about that like what why was she being brave well yeah like you said I think it's hindsight I can see where I'm at now and I can see the connections that I've made and the people that I've like impacted like for example I just finished um a solo show um here in Bozeman so a solo show means that I have a gallery that's full of just my work um, and I just finished a solo show over in Bozeman. My first solo show, it was a huge project. Also, speaking of being brave, <laughs> was, that was a lot. But um, but I, I did the solo show, and I was lucky enough that I was the first show coming kind of in that kind of break that we had in the pandemic. It's not over, right? But it's <laughs> yeah. like kind of like break over the summer that we had where I was able to have an in-person reception for the show. Yeah. And so I was able to talk to woman after woman that came in and said like oh my gosh you, you did it with this piece or that piece or this piece you know it really touched them or gave them a sense of representation in the fine arts yeah. that they may have not experienced before so when I was a student and I was just kind of grappling to figure out just what my experience meant to myself um, I didn't have any kind of that outreach or that external gratification I guess yet it was all just me kind of figuring out like hey how do we steady the ship because everything has been turned upside down with having a baby and I think it's important and I think it means something but I don't know what it is yet I'm just trying to figure out 
what my track is, right? And uh, so I think that's where in the moment it felt more like survival than bravery because it was totally for me at the moment um, with hopes that it would grow into something, but there was no guarantee, of course. Um, So yeah, hindsight, being able to say, I really set myself up for the success and the enjoyment that I have now. which I'm very grateful to my past self for. Maya, I'm, there, there are so many things. This On the show, listeners, you know this. If you've been with me any amount of time, you're like, this is what Slade says. His mind is blown and he's trying to process this all. <laughs> um, so skip ahead, here we go. So, so as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, so as you talk about your, your process, as you talk about your origin story, uh, so Maya as a young woman Maya getting married and like yay we're married this is so exciting yay we're pregnant which is not part of the plan <laughs> and but this is what I want to do like I, I I want to do my art and I want I want to keep moving forward and it became what I'm and I have the benefit of knowing part of the story already right but yeah. right that I that it wasn't just about doing art anymore right it was about doing you right? It was about being you and that totally. looking back, right? You can see that your bravery was choosing to tell this story and not just like, not just your story specifically, but the story of this part of humanity, right? So I just remember, yeah, go ahead. yeah, I remember being in that time and part of the research that I was doing at that time, the, the work that I made while in school was very much specifically about the transition from uh, the identity of being an uh, not single as in relationship, but single as in personhood, single woman to a mother. And uh, a lot of the reading that I was doing at the time kept coming up with this term called a normal crisis. And I was like, okay, sure, normal, maybe, but um, feels pretty detrimental to me in the moment, yeah. right? <laughs> it's yeah. definitely heavy on the crisis end of it. Um, and just this weird juxtaposition of how yeah. commonplace it was, or it is, motherhood, entering motherhood. And yet how life altering it is when you're going through yeah. it personally. Yeah. My, I wrote down on my notes here, what if the self is deemed, well, I wrote unworthy, but to kind of take some more of your own, of the words that you offered us here, what if the self is deemed mundane or uh, normal? Normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> how do you... How, how do you, um, how can the self emerge from that, Maya? How, because it sounds like my, you, like you just said, uh-uh, like, I don't care if this is niche, I'm doing this, like, right. I guess that kind of, that goes to the question, how do you decide what to make, Maya? Like, maybe those, do those two things maybe reside next to each other? Totally, so, um, it's, yeah, it seems like a very simple question. How I do, how do I decide what to make? But it all, it also ends. It also trips me up a lot because I definitely grapple, like we kind of talked about. I grapple with um, my work being very autobiographical, mm-hmm. but then also wanting to speak to broader terms. But then also understanding that if I am specific in using my own lived example in my work, that has the weird effect of being 
more universally understood, right? Um, But I've definitely, and I feel like I'm getting more comfortable with it now, a few years into my professional career, that, um, but it's definitely been a struggle as far as being uh, super upfront and saying my work is autobiographical, um, even just to myself. You know, there's lots of work that I've made that it's like, no, this is like, I did this reading and, you know, all this feminist theory that I've absorbed and all these other memoirs that I've read. And this is what this work is about. And then a couple of years later, I'll look at it and be like, oh, no, that's like a direct mirror of what I was going through at the time, even though I didn't admit it. Um, And so as far as how I choose what to make, um, like I said, having... uh, having the benefit now of having a few few years into my career and being able to look back more extensively on what I've made, um, it seems that a lot of my work, uh, just from what I can see, references the life stages that I'm going through. You know, my work in general is about young motherhood as far as having young children. Um, You know, so a lot of work that's directly about birth and pregnancy and the postpartum experience Mm -hmm. um a piece here or there that's references directly like having young children like under age five children Mm -hmm. um and some of that has been conscious some of that has been unconscious and like I said I can reflect back and see um now that that is what I have what have what has been the tendency of what I've what I've been doing um kind of more logistically a lot of the work that I make is determined on what projects I have going on as far as, so like I said, I had that solo show going on and I had a theme that I set for myself for that solo show. Um, and so then I use that kind of framework umbrella to say, okay, this is the work that I need to make based off of kind of this initial response. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm in an interesting spot right now as far as choosing what to make because I don't have the rigor of that solo show to direct me so much. I have um, more sporadic opportunities where it's like I will submit one piece to a group show of, of like 10 to 20 artists, right? And uh, so one piece might have um, kind of a offshoot from what my general studio practice is because it's in response to that show theme, right? Um, so yeah, so that's, it's kind of the, it's just the, like I said, this, this, this the solo show just came down uh, beginning of this month, so just a couple weeks ago. So I'm just barely taking the first tiny baby steps to kind of figure out, okay, now where is my studio going to go as a whole? And mm-hmm. where are these kind of offshoot pieces going to gonna take yeah. me also? But I can see that, what uh, again, just in kind of these baby steps, that um, it's very it's really nice to have had this solo show to then be able to look back on and say this work worked together as a whole but then i can also see like hey this specific piece could be a body of work and this specific piece Mm. could be a body of work um and just see the potential offshoots uh how they could i don't know if i necessarily will pursue all of them or any of them but just having the potential kind of growth point um coming from this large project that i accomplished yeah Maya, you said this piece here, the, well, you said in terms of your process and what, what ends up, you know, 
what's going to come out of the slab, the slab of clay for our listeners. Mm-hmm. If you're like slab, what in the heck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, what's going to come out of the slab of clay, right? So, right, that you had said <laughs> the process of coming to it, right? That it's it's not just like, oh yeah, okay, now I'm going to tell my story, right? That you've had to, you've kind of had to dance around it a little bit. And then you said, you know, that the process has been both conscious and unconscious. And you reminded me of something that we learned uh, a couple episodes before this about bravery, being conscious and unconscious. Sometimes we draw upon it. Sometimes we call upon it to act and to do, but other times we just act and do because that's what we have to do. And for whatever reason, right, it gets shaded by other things like survival, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I have to, what you know, coping, whatever it is. But what I'm learning from you, Maya, is that by allowing, allowing ourself, like I keep coming back to this, like bravery, bravery is the self. Right? When we allow that full self, or at least uh, broader strokes of that self to come out, you can begin to see with more clarity where you're going to go. This is, I think my, I think listeners, why my brain is breaking this time is that it, this is so uh, practical. This is so practical of like, when we own that self, like if we say bravery is the self, if that is true, Maya, you know, that you just taught us here that by owning that self, by really pouring yourself into your most recent solo show, um, which listeners, you can go and you can take a peek of that solo show, the of how that went and the pieces there. Um, remind us, Maya, what is the show called again? It's called um, Where Do I End and You Begin? And yeah, like you said, it's all online. Uh, you can view it on my website, just www.mayaclough.com. And then I've got portfolio.com. And, and listeners, I'll make sure all of that's in the, in the links so that you can check that out. But so Maya... <laughs> I I'm just I'm sitting with this piece of like my when when I can start to grab hold of that bravery when I can start to grab hold of that self then do you feel like do you feel like you have more clarity on what comes next like I, I know you kind of just said that but do you feel that I think so and I think talking about practicality this idea of, of bravery being authenticity or being the self has also for me come in really small baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, there haven't been many big like leaping off the cliff moments of I am like, this is all or nothing. It has been a lot of, okay, I have this large goal that I know I want to achieve. I've got a long way between me and that goal to get there. And it's just chipping away at it and consistency and perseverance that got me to different goals in my life, you know, my BFA being one of them, the solo show being another one of them, mm-hmm. having just a studio to work in being another one of them. Yeah. Um, none of them came overnight. None of them, yeah, like I said, were kind of these leap, like literal leaps of faith, big, big giant steps. It was all just like consistency. Maya, I also want to, to write, it brought, you know, it allowed you to move in the direction professionally that you wanted to go. But we're talking a lot about motherhood. And we talked about, you've already shared with us, right? Motherhood gets hedged and it gets marginalized. 
let's talk about also what that what that bravery has done for you as a mother. Yeah. Um, I mean, I again, I'm so in the thick of it right now. I feel like I'm in that survival mode. It's like the motherhood yeah. portion is such a more extended period of time that I feel there isn't a lot to look back on yet. So I feel like I'm definitely in some of that stuff. Like I'm not brave for being a mother, you know, I'm just doing it, you know, that kind of survival <laughs> mentality. Um, and so I hope when I am able to look back when my children are older and I can kind of have more coherent conversations with them, for the listeners, my kids are um, six and two, uh, that when I when they're older and I can kind of reflect with them, I hope that I'm able to have been a good example for them you know number one that I was able to um through my practice learning about myself be a better mother for them and be able to have had the time to develop myself along with helping them develop themselves um I obviously don't know directly but I imagine that if I had completely given up on everything that I wanted to do um, and just throw myself completely 100% into them without tending to myself as well in one way or the other that I don't imagine that I would have been a very good mom you know I still I, I'm not this is not me saying like I have this part of my life so I'm a perfect mom you know like, <laughs> I, like my kids love me all the time and I never yell and I never get frustrated like of course like I definitely have a lot that I'm working on within motherhood, but I feel that I would probably have a lot more of a grudge against the experience of motherhood, especially being thrown into it so young. Again, for the listener, I got married just barely after my 20th birthday, and my husband and I, or I was pregnant three weeks after we got married, so fresh into age 20, I was like in it, <laughs> and uh, it was not what we had, it worked out of course, but it was not what we planned at all. Yeah. And uh, so I can imagine that if I if I had had to have been in that position to completely give up this part of myself, this creative part of myself, um, that I probably just wouldn't have been in a place of uh, like constant reflection and yeah. as much growth. I'm sure I would have found ways to survive, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm able to, because I was able to dedicate a portion of my life to continue my passions, that I was right. able to round myself out more for myself, but then also hopefully for my kids. So like I said, I'm kind of in survival mode. Maybe when they get like, ah, you screwed us over, you know, <laughs> you totally scarred us and we're going to be miserable adults, but I hope not. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Time will tell. Maya, I think this is really interesting. And I, to so... I want to kind of like just take a minute and reflect with you in this space. Yeah. Um, you, you shared that when you, so when you had your reception, right, that there were women who came up to you and they would tell you that because of this one piece or because of another piece that you had really, you'd offered them something, right? You had given them something. You, they, you said that they were able to identify and see themselves. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that just in our own process, right? And in terms of how bravery is a practice, bravery, I wrote, bravery is inc incremental, right? It's, you know, bravery is, um, 
I would you say that you are brave enough to own yourself as as a good mom? <laughs> Not yet, I guess. <laughs> Based on that reaction I just gave. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. yeah, I know this is kind of off script for us, but Maya. Yeah. If you were to sculpt like the brave mom, what would the brave mom look like? And maybe you've already done that sculpture. Tell me, what what does the brave yeah. mom look like when you when you think about how you would sculpt her? Um, I well, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record. You were referencing um, some of the works that I've done where I make women covered in stretch marks and yeah. this like vulnerability. Um, I think bravery comes from vulnerability. I th I think that's I think that's a big portion of it. Um, I can, the stereotypical brave mom that comes to mind that I fight against in my work is this idea of uh, a mom that is kind of like, you know, superhero pose with like a pan of cookies in one hand and a baby on the hip in the other. And, you know, she's like ready to face the day, but that's not what I feel like yeah. uh, authentic motherhood is. Um, and then again, circling back to this idea of authenticity, authenticity being bravery. Yeah. Um, I think the brave mom is the one that's able to reach out for help and able to um, let other people know when she's struggling and be able to um, be vulnerable with her kids and be vulnerable with herself um, and not pretend like everything's fine all the time, right? Yeah. Because uh, motherhood's really hard, right? It's really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I, yeah, I don't think a brave mom is someone who tries to do it all herself yeah. and tries to cover it up and say, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need help. Like I've got it under control. I think it's, yeah, I think that a brave mom is, is someone that shows that vulnerability that I use as a common trope in my work um, of, that comes, that can come through really clearly when I use this trope of stretch marks, um, literally breaking and repair and uh, yeah. the intimacy of where stretch marks are usually located in the body um being able to show those off to the public and say like this is this is where i'm back together and grown literally new parts of my body to to uh, compensate for yeah. for the struggles that i've gone through right yeah my um, uh I'm thinking about one of your pieces, and please correct me if I'm going to get the title wrong. Sure. But I didn't realize that I should have that title piece in front of me right now, or else <laughs> listeners, I would have done my homework a little bit better. I think it's called Let It Out or uh, Cry, Cry It Out. out. Cry It Out. Mm -hmm. So listeners, um, I'll give you my description of it, and then Maya, you, you offer yours. So listeners, I want you to imagine there's this bust. Um, and for those of you who are like, okay, it's like explain a bust, right? So that's head and usually some portion of the shoulder. Right. It, but it's not a full body cast, right? It's, a, it's just, the, just the head and a bit of the shoulder. So imagine this, this woman, um, she has uh, more than shoulder length hair that's come down over her shoulders. Um, and she's been crafted in a red clay. She's not... She's not glazed in red, correct? It's correct. Just, That's just the clay body. Mm -hmm. So the clay body is a beautiful, um, 
like bright, more vibrant than a brick red brick, right? It has that, it has that. It's very similar. It's like a, it's like a warmer terracotta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like this nice. I love that. I love even that. This is, imagine this warm terracotta, right? So it's very. The color is very, uh, very engaging, right? You you want to come to it. Now imagine on this. Imagine the expression on this sculpture's face is um, every grief and frustration and pain um, that one might experience uh, in their life. And so we have knit brows and watery eyes. And Maya, you beautifully crafted and glazed this figure because her eyes look watery. Uh, you have provided a, a, a white glaze that act as the tears that come from the figure's eyes. And, uh, and it's not just like, um, I love how you say, uh, it's not uh, a passe drizzle. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's not just like yeah. a teardrop, right? I and mean, we're talking like, imagine these white tears against that beautiful red terracotta, just streaming down the face and onto the what's what remains of the the chest of the bust. Um, Maya, as you describe your walk with motherhood, as you describe vulnerability, and as you describe the power and maybe not so explicitly but what i hear from you is the power of sharing sharing our bravery with others and i go back the thing that i'm taking away so much today is sharing ourself sharing the bravery of ourself with others that's the image that i see maya i see cry it out mm -hmm. tell what was your experience in crafting that piece definitely that that piece definitely came from like I was mentioning before, this idea that motherhood is really difficult. And uh, so some of the, um, what's the, I am an artist. What is the term for uh, some of the, I'll think of it. The reason that I chose white tears, like these gushing white tears and, and the title, Cry It Out, specifically the white kind of referenced um, like a mother's milk specifically. So this maternal experience that is, the core of the emotion that's coming out. Um, and then yeah. the term cry it out is if you're not a parent, um, it's a it's a term that talks about um, sleep training your infant. So um, there are some people that use this technique where when they want their baby to sleep all the way through the night, instead of having to get up for feedings or, or um, soothings, they will um, let their babies quote unquote cry it out for periods of time to kind of train them to be able to self-soothe and be on their own um and so so cry it out directly references this idea of solitude and being completely alone in your emotions um and then being you know as an infant completely overwhelming you have no context of what why you're alone in a dark space like where your parents are and so um, kind of how when you're in motherhood, this primal portion can kick in where you feel like, I don't know why this is happening. Like, how do I navigate my emotions? Um, and it, there's a lot of those emotions in motherhood, right? And, uh, and so when you see the piece also in person, it's a little bit, um, a little bit larger scale. It's not double, double um, life size, but it's a little bit larger. So 
she's a little bit bigger, like bigger feelings, bigger literal persona um, when you're facing her face, yeah. face um, just to kind of, again, express this enormity of the power and the, the, the sadness and the, and the trauma that can come through motherhood. Um, and so, yeah, and so when she's on display in the gallery space, she's very vulnerable. Um, she is a bust, so she's cut off at the shoulders. She is kind of stuck where she is physically in place. She doesn't have arms or legs to assist her escape. She's just kind of locked in to what she's feeling at the moment and, and the enormity of those tears that are rolling down her face. <clears throat> Maya, if someone said they were feeling that way, would you say that, even if they didn't believe you, <laughs> would you say that there's bravery inside of that experience? Totally. I mean, just surviving it is brave at some point, you know, especially people who experience severe postpartum depression. And this is just a nitpicky thing for me. I want to be really clear. If I can reach anybody, I reach this audience, that the term postpartum just means after birth. And the postpartum experience can be lovely and warm and comfortable, but specifically postpartum depression is the term that goes along with that depression that can be onset from, from pregnancy and, and, and birth. Um, and so anyway, so those women that go through postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, um, just surviving it can be brave because there is there can be some severe isolation that happens directly after birth right? And you can give someone a call, but you might not always have a good support system directly with you at like 2, 3, 4 a.m. when you're dealing with your own intense emotions and having to caretake yeah. a new life, yeah. which completely depends on you or your partner if you have one. Um, yeah. So 100%, I think that's totally brave, you know, um, just getting through it, just being in it and surviving it. My, I think it's just so interesting to think of, like, would I look at that, pic, you know, before this, before this, uh, before our, our conversation today, would I look at that piece and would I say this piece is bravery? I'm, I'm not sure. I think if somebody told me that, like, oh, this piece is called bravery, I'd be like, oh, tell me why. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, again, I think what I'm learning here and offer for you to listeners for you to to separate and for you to think about too is why would something like that be bravery why why would that why would cry it out you know that image of of someone experiencing such intense emotions why is that why is that bravery it's there there's so much that, and this is listeners, why I offer you an artistic avenue to, to think about this um, and the art of being brave. Uh, Maya, you've offered us things that we've heard, um, that we've heard from scholars about bravery meaning vulnerability. But what I feel like I've learned from you just in our short time together thus far is that vulnerability is, it's like fuzzy. <laughs> like bravery is fuzzy. Mm -hmm. that that to to own the self is is fuzzy and like so many things in life right yeah and that you know to know when you're calling on it or not like sometimes we are right we we do we call upon that 
Um, but other times, other times it's hard. My, I think that I'm learning from you today, right? It's even though you are exploring your experience of motherhood, it's still hard to say like, where am I at as a mom? <laughs> you know, and uh, because you know, from the outside, it could look like, oh man, like Maya has got her stuff together. <laughs> She's doing yep. all this art and it's so cool. And you're, and I think what I'm hearing from you is like, uh, yeah, do you, do you see the pieces? Like, yeah. do you see the vulnerability? <laughs> do you see me like, um, Maya, I think this is a great place for us to take a break. Um, listeners, we have been exploring bravery from the topic and the concepts of art, creating art. Um, Maya, your work is semi-autobiographical. Uh, I love that because bravery is also semi-autobiographical. I hear in your story of the women coming up to you at the show that they took some of their bravery, right? So they can't say that it's all theirs on their own, right? It came from, it came from someplace else. It, 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 they drew it from someplace else, right? I, I love that piece that our bravery is semi-autobiographical. Um, listeners, we've been exploring how bravery is the self, that it's, that's that part of it. So when we come back, we're going to get more into how the technique of making, um, and, uh, how the technique of creating, um, can assist us in expressing our own Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we hope that you had a lovely little break. Uh, we're, I'm sitting here with my old dear friend, Maya Clough, and we're talking about the art of being brave. Maya, during the break, we were talking about how I was sharing with you that this episode feels kind of quiet, that, uh, that there's more space in this episode, uh, that we haven't filled it necessarily all with talking. There's kind of been moments and gaps. Uh, listeners, I feel like that's kind of indicative of this exploration of how perhaps the art of crafting ceramics, like when you walk into a gallery, especially when it's a, a ceramic showing, it's very quiet. And not just because the space is quiet. <laughs> um, so at the risk of, of using too much time to talk about that, I encourage you to just sit in the quietness. And if Maya and I pause, um, I'll be sure not to leave the pauses too long, but enjoy them and sit in them and observe them along with us. So Maya, as an artist, as a ceramic artist, you are working with a rather temperamental medium. Tell yes. us about, let's talk about, we've talked, we've massaged quite a bit about how telling the story is, 
is brave, right? And how we come to telling that story with bravery, with vulnerability. Now, tell us about perhaps what have you learned about bravery in terms of stretching the medium and making it do what you want it to do? Yeah, so like you said, uh, and you can say it again, play and ceramics is incredibly temperamental. Um, if you've ever taken an intro to ceramics class, you'll know very quickly that um, things break, things blow up, things dry wrong, things chip and crack in all sorts of unpredictable ways. There are so many variables in the ceramic process as far as while you're sculpting it, making sure that you're sculpting it with the right water consistency in it. You know, if, you, are you, if you're sculpting too wet, then things will mess up. If you're sculpting too dry, then things will crack off and break. And then if you make it through that part, then you have to throw it into a kiln and cross all your fingers and toes that it doesn't blow up in the kiln from, you know, rising the heat too fast or too slow or, um, and then you get to have to go through the glorious process of putting glaze on top of your piece. And then that's a whole nother myriad of, a myriad of um, room for error, right? And uh, so if anything, anything, Clay has taught me that, um, that, perseverance is key, right? And that you can't get too drugged down into the failures because the failures are inevitable. Um, and that it's a slow and steady process of trying and failing and really celebrating the successes when they do come through. And then the next day, just like trying and failing and trying and failing again. Um, yeah, there's 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 just so much so much that can go wrong with clay <laughs> it's so, um, tell us about the process Maya so you yeah you know, I won't go into as much detail but um on Maya's website again mayaclough.com uh you're gonna see pieces one of my favorites is called the crown and again it's another bust um and uh, on top of this bust is a is this a it is a scale one for one pelvis correct it's, yeah the the bust and the pelvis are just a slightly smaller than okay. um than uh one-to-one -one scale but it's pretty close so this is a ceramic like skeletal pelvis mm -hmm. tell us about that process what was that like how many times did you make it and how many times did it break yeah well surprisingly you picked one of the ones that actually went i think the smoothest <laughs> amazingly <laughs> enough <laughs> but um, to kind of talk about my process overall, so um, uh, as I've kind of started settling into my professional career, I have discovered that I really like building um, solid on an armature. So what that means is that I'll have a wooden platform with um, steel, like this plumbing pipes coming up from the, from the wooden platform so that um, that way I can sculpt pieces like crown and um, like on the cusp, which you'll see on the website if you go visit, um, which are these pieces that don't have, they don't sit on a pedestal, they're both wall hanging pieces. So none of them, they don't have a flat bottom. So mm -hmm. um, I'm able to sculpt suspended basically. So I have this armature that I will, I, I have the plan for what I wanna make ahead of time. So talking about crown, um, I will have sketched a drawing of what I want the piece to look like and then I will sketch an armature of where the piece will need interior supports as I'm sculpting it 
So meaning that I can't just have a straight pipe that comes up from the platform because the clay will all just slide down. There has to be some kind of a T in it or some kind of angles that give the clay uh, anchors to rest on so it doesn't just slide off and fall off. Um, so anyway, so I'll do all that planning and preparation. I'll build the armature and then I will take clay from the bag and I will just start applying it to the armature until I get the shape that I want. And then I will go and refine and do detail. So that means that I have a solid piece of clay that encases this pipe armature. So I will um, get the piece to where I want it, do the detailing. And when it is just about done um, and looks how I want it to look, then I get the joy of having to cut it apart because the piece has to come off the pipe armature somehow. So I will cut it into usually at least two or three sections. Um, and for people who aren't in ceramics, whenever I show them this process, they're always horrified, like guaranteed. They say, oh my gosh, is this the scariest thing you've ever done? I'm like, well, I've had enough practice that I kind of numb myself to it. It's not super horrifying to see my piece that I've worked weeks on usually and, you know, multiple pieces around my studio. Um, but I, then I will cut them into pieces and then hollow out the work so that what I end up with is multiple pieces that have um, totally hollow space inside and walls that are of somewhere between um, like a quarter inch and an inch, or sorry, a quarter inch and a half inch um, thick. Okay. And then I have the process of having to reassemble that those separate pieces. And um, so then at the end, then I have a whole piece that is back together. Hopefully you don't see any seams as to where I reattach pieces, but it's hollow on the inside, so it's much lighter. And I'm also obviously able to take it off of the armature um, because I can't fire the armature in the kiln. <laughs> so um, that's kind of just a brief look into what the process looks like. So like you said, crown, your favorite piece, that piece actually went incredibly smoothly. I was able to sculpt it. I think I, for that piece, um, I think I did a, an Instagram kind of like clock in on my stories portion of the app where I would say, hey, I've worked on this piece for this long. This is where I'm at. I've worked on it for this long. This is where I'm at. Just to kind of give my audience an idea of how long a piece takes and um, yeah. what those different sections look like. Um, but I was able to build it. I made it. It looked how I wanted it to. I fired it. The glazing went great. It was like one and done. Another piece that you mentioned when we were on the break was the piece my mother before me. Um, and with that's a series of seven pelvises that are stacked um, in a vertical line on the wall. And uh, that piece, I tried and failed a few times <laughs> before I got that one to where I wanted it to be. Yeah. I, um, there, like I said, it's a stack of seven, uh, seven pelvises that hang on the wall individually, but they stack together. So they, when you're looking at it from a distance, it kind of looks like a spine. Um, yeah. And, uh, when I was going into making it, my thought was, okay, I'll make one and then I'll make a plaster mold of it mm. so that I can reproduce seven or however many, I can't, I think I was gonna do more originally, but however many I wanted um, relatively quickly. And it crashed and burned so much so oh. that I got so fed up with it that I totally abandoned the idea for a year or more oh, wow. before I came back and re-examined it and was able to make the piece that you'll see um, in photographs now. Um, so, and, but yeah, but it was, when I was working on it, I knew it was a piece that I needed to make and that I really wanted to make, but I was like, technically 
I don't have the grip on how to make this go smoothly. I have worked on this for too long and I'm mm. so frustrated with it. I've got to just take a break, move on to something else, let this sit and think about it more because thinking about it while I'm kind of making it, trying to make it is not working. It's just not working at all. Um, but yeah, being able to take the time away from it. And um, what, ended, what ended up happening was that I thankfully was paying attention to what some of my contemporaries are doing out in the world. And um, I saw one uh, woman that I uh, really admire and respect who works um, more reductively. So uh, I generally work additively where I'm taking, starting with the armature and adding clay onto it to get to where I wanted to. And what she does is she starts with a block of clay and then carves away to get to where uh -huh. she wants. So I saw what she was doing and I said, oh, well maybe this will work. And thankfully it did. So I would just literally take a full bag of clay, a full block of clay out of the bag, lay it on the table. And then I drew pelvises on seven of these blocks of clay and, and um, carved them down reductively that way. And it worked out, worked out to uh, the piece that you'll see. Maya, what do you feel like, I know we're talking a lot about bravery, but just in your own self though, what do you feel like you draw upon when you, when you hit those moments, right? So you're stretching your medium, right? You are, yeah. you're trying to do something, you know, the skeleton is not, I mean, it's, it's willowy. Yeah. <laughs> it's small, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and that's not, that's not easy to work with. That's not easy to make the clay do what you want to do. And then mm -hmm. to even go through that whole entire process that you told us about, right? So, yeah. you, know, ask, you know, in terms of its temperament and then going into the kiln, what do you draw upon to, I know you said you had to take a break from it, but what do you yeah. draw upon to keep going after what you said was a story? And something else. So what I find, I, what I find happens a lot in my studio is that um, I don't, when you imagine kind of the, ideal ceramic studio you see the artist working at her table with a wet sculpture in front of her you know like it's that's that's what it is right but for me my what my practice ends up looking like is periods of sculpting working through those problems while I'm sculpting when I hit roadblocks pulling away and saying okay I'm going to shift my practice into writing or sketching or reading and I kind of use these different like modules of my studio practice to be able to give myself an internal support system and, and uh, like I said, uh, kind of allow myself to not just push through, but say, okay, I need to think about this in a different light. Like what I'm doing right now is not working and I really need to kind of re-examine what I'm trying to achieve through this other venue or this other tool that I have in my studio, mm -hmm. which I think is totally applicable to life in general, right? Um, yeah. If you, you have lots of different modes of living that you can access and kind of shift through um, and being able to take off one uh, way of thinking, let it rest, let it kind of percolate and then be able to put on something else and think about your problem, whatever it is through another mode of looking can open up so many different solutions and so many different um, yeah. just avenues of thinking and um, bring resolution in ways that you may not have uh, expected or may not have been able to access at all if you had just been doggedly like this is the way I can't abandon this 
because this is what I know and this is the way, right? Yeah. So on a Bravery, yeah, smaller scale, yeah. that's how I do it in the studio, yeah. Bravery is versatile. I, my, as you were sharing this piece here about being brave enough to be flexible, being brave enough to, um, to step away and to, um, to get into the problem in a different way, right? Instead of like you just said, right? Being so, so, you know, focused or, you know, uh, burn, right? Or in a rut. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of you telling us about the process of, of how you can choose to build the sculpture, right? You can build it from the table up, right? Um, and that has its purposes and its reasons, right? You, that you might wanna do that. Um, those pieces will sit on a pedestal, they'll sit on the floor or something like that. They're not, they're not hung pieces, right? You build it from the table up, however what it's gonna be. Um, but then you talked about getting into it a different way. And suddenly I was thinking about how you use the armature to get inside of the clay, right? And to hold it up in a different way. And for you to be able to do a completely different technique. And then as you were talking about this uh, reductive process, I was thinking, are we brave enough? Well, first of all, are we brave enough to like take the piece that's in front of us if we're gonna use an armature and then cut it up and like dig everything out? Right? Are we are we willing? Are we brave enough to do that with our with our own process? Are we? Can we look at what we're doing with our life, um, or what we're trying to build in our life? Take a moment, take it apart, dig out the pieces that we don't need, so that it's ready to go into the next part of the process. Mm-hmm. And then with the reductive with the reductive technique, are we willing to just take a big problem and just you know, like start taking it away until we see the piece? that is supposed to be there and are we are we brave enough to be flexible to choose the technique are we brave enough to be sorry i'm saying this over again because listeners because i'm like well this is like so cool are we brave enough to choose the technique that's right uh, that's right for the situation yeah because they all have their downfalls or their risks right um yeah, when I, when I, it's, like I said, when people who aren't ceramicists see me cutting apart this piece, they're horrified because I do run the risk of losing work that I put into it because I have to cut it apart. And then the, the, the process of reassembling that piece means that I have to make like really in, kind of intense gashes in the piece to kind of mend the clay back together. It's not just like I yeah. cut it apart and can just kind of glue it back in place. Like I have to you know, take a, take a knife and make big gashes all the way around the line and kind of smush it back together and make that clay mend back into yeah. itself. So, you know, that's just one example of like, it's, it's a risk, but I also would never progress yeah. to the point of being able to get the piece off the armature if I didn't cut it in the first place and run the risk of losing mm-hmm. some of what the work that I'd already done. It's for the greater good of the, of the progress, right? To, to run that risk. So Maya, thinking about your craft and your process, what has it taught you about being brave that you wish everybody knows or that you wish everybody knew to say that more yeah. correctly? Well, it totally is rooted in the fact that 
failure is not something that you can get around. Like if you're going to be brave and you're going to make progress and continue forward, even in small steps, you're going to mess up or something outside of the realm of your control is going to mess things up. Um, and you just have to keep going. You can't get too down and out about it because it's part of the process is failure. Um, and so just having the, the gumption and the will to just keep persevering. But then also the thing about, we haven't really talked about much is that um, uh, I grew up with my parents both being potters. And as a child, I grew up specifically going to a wood-fired home with them. And that portion of the ceramics community is intensely community-based because these wood-fired kilns are kilns that have to be loaded with wood like every four to five minutes, 24 hours a day for you know four to six days at a time. And so you have to have a crew that you can rely on that are going to be there to show up, to do their part, and to make sure that everything keeps running. Um, with the practice that I am in now, I'm electric firing. So I have two kilns of my own at home and I you know, flip a switch and it turns on and gets hot. Um, so that community aspect isn't as intrinsically a part of that uh, firing process that I grew up with, but the clay community as a whole is still very community oriented. I think a lot more so than some other mediums, such as like I hear that painters don't really have a lot of like guild kind of, you know, get togethers or like, yeah. like, like, you know, you know, especially because ceramics is so, um, ceramics includes pottery, which is very community based with sharing food and, you know, utilitarian objects that you want to experience with a group. Um, so anyway, so even though I'm a ceramic sculptor that does figurative sculpture in my own kiln at home and I have my own sphere that's not in a community space, I still benefit from working in a medium that's very community minded um, that I can access and that people are very open to sharing how they overcame all of the numerous issues that can arise in ceramics. Um, and so that's part of it too, like I said before, that knowing that failure is inevitable and that you have to just kind of be dogged about mm. finding different ways to get around those failures and look at your problems in different lights, but then also making sure that you're not just being a lone wolf and trying to just fix everything on your own, kind of also tying back to what we talked about with the, the theme that I work in and with motherhood and where I was saying, we were talking about the brave mother, where I was yeah. saying that I think the brave mother is someone that reaches out for help is not mm -hmm. one that says, I've got it all covered. I don't need your help. I, I'm not vulnerable. I'm not going to show my insecurities and my um, risk you thinking that I'm weak, right? It's the same yeah. in ceramics as well, that you, I benefit so much and I tap into so much of the bravery that I uh, have or that I've utilized in my practice by accessing those people in my community, in my professional community. Um, to be able to kind of get over those roadblocks and help me make sure that I don't feel like I'm doing this all for nothing, right? Yeah. Like, okay, you have a common shared experience with me. Like, how are you making sure that you feel like you're okay, even though you're by yourself in your studio? Um, yeah, just being able to reach out and tap into that community support. Maya, I love this piece. I, in my notes, I, I, I like to write like bravery is this or whatever, right? And so there's yeah. been a few, right? So bravery is the self. Um, bravery uh, is 
flexible, bravery is versatile. Oh, bravery is incremental. Mm -hmm. uh, bravery is failure. Uh, we live in this world where we so often hear failure is not an option. Uh, and, <laughs> and if we learn anything from your, your practice of being a ceramic artist and the art of being brave is that we come to peace with bravery is failure. Like there's yeah. going to be in your practice of bravery, there's going to be failure. If and bravery so, is not an option, then you're not making any progress. Yeah. <laughs> that means that you're not doing anything because life is full of failure. Ceramics is full of failure. Yeah. yeah. Like you also reiterate something that has been said within these, within this learning this this season as well, which is that bravery is uh, interpersonal. It is community that we, I wrote in my notes here, find those people who know the process, right? You talk about how you are surrounded by a group of people who know the process of telling the story or doing the, or doing the life of being a ceramic artist. Uh, listeners, maybe you know this life, maybe you don't, but ceramic artists more than, and if you are, if you are a, a painter or a different, work in a different medium, I apologize if you don't agree with this, but <laughs> ceramic art is, right? Because if I, so I paint, right? If I don't like what's on the canvas, I can, I can scrape it off and I can paint the canvas white again, mm -hmm. right? I can paint over it and I can paint yeah. something else. Um, but with ceramics, right? I mean, <laughs> if that piece that you love, if it breaks in the kiln, that's it, right? Like yeah. you just got to start over again. Yeah, there, there is a very small window where you can backtrack in ceramics yeah. and fix mistakes. But yeah, once you get past certain points, yeah, there's uh, yeah, not much that can be done. So finding people who, finding people who know that process, like who know the process of, you know, to bring it back to, to being brave, right? that you see people who are, who you think are being brave, right? Who, who you see are, are working it out and who are really doing the hard, who are, who are failing, right? Who are failing and who are getting up again, who are, you know, who have beautiful pieces of figurative pottery in front of them that they, they, they're fragile and they break, but they, they go at it again, finding those people, listeners. Um, you have heard it in many different ways. You know, people have said, um, you know, it's their village or it's their, uh, it's their tribe. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, you got to find that those people, right. Who, who know the process, who, who can see you and who you can see them. I, I think that's an important part of it, right. Maya is that you see them as well. Absolutely. And it makes me think of a, a visual just came to mind. Um, I think it happens pretty much at any kind of community clay um, place like organization or kiln or whatever um, that there will be uh, what's usually called like the boneyard so this happened at this kiln that I um, fried with my with my parents the wood fire kiln it was kind of um, over the edge of a hill where everyone would throw their kind of um, imperfect pottery things that got broken in the firing or things the glaze didn't go right all these things that there's like there's no going back it's just is what it is and you gotta move it on and so they would just throw it down the hill and it'd be broken and in this big pile of kind of ceramic rubble um at the bottom of the hill and uh, another place that it happens that i've seen before is there's um a place called the archie bray foundation in helena montana which is about an hour and a half away 
from uh, from me currently. And uh, it's like a world-renowned residency program for ceramic arts. And um, their boneyard is much more visible. So the one at the wood fire kiln that I grew up in was kind of like, if you wanted to go try and scavenge through what was down there, you really had to kind of risk life or limb because yeah. you're going through all of this like Oregon underbrush, like very wet, mossy, slippery stuff. And then of course there's shards of pottery like embedded <laughs> down there as well from all these people over decades throwing their discarded stuff down there. But at the Bray, at the Archie Bray, um, their boneyard is behind a building kind of off campus. And it's just this giant mound of, ceramic discards and um, shards and all these beautiful sections of these you know misfit pots and so it's a very beautiful metaphor that when you look at this giant hill of ceramic art that was quote-unquote a failure that you'll go through and be like this is beautiful like this shard or this portion of sculpture or this like discarded cup is gorgeous like just this object yeah. and then you look at it all together and you see these this like years wow. years and years and years of this accumulation of these failures of this community that also works together to help themselves through but this just one moment of of this literal pile of failure that ends up being gorgeous as an object kind of in itself um and i think that just really is a really beautiful visual metaphor to the idea of coming together with our failures and sharing them in a way or working off of mm. them um, and finding that bravery with each other to be able to be vulnerable enough to share those failures. Maya, that is a beautiful place to begin to wind down. Yeah. That, thank you for bringing in the boneyard and that idea. Uh, before we close, I want to ask the question that I ask everyone, which is, how do you grow your bravery? I think we've touched on it before where it's allowing yourself flexibility and room for failure, but then also looking to those around you that have been through similar experiences and finding that community to be able to uh, feed off of and gain insight from where other people have failed. Listeners, I have been sitting with Maya Clough, uh, ceramic artist out of Bozeman, Montana. Uh, we have been talking about the art of being brave. It is a quiet practice. It is laced with failure. Uh, the image of the boneyard for me is that it's spiky and pokey and sometimes sharp, <laughs> um, but that it's also really beautiful and it represents hours of work, um, years of work. Uh, bravery today, Maya, you have taught us that it is incremental, that it comes piece by piece. It's something that we build onto an armature or we carve out of a large chunk of clay or something that we build from the table up or from the ground up. Um, that bravery is something that is completely the self, right? And yet we also draw upon other people's bravery, right? That our bravery is semi-autobiographical. <laughs> um, really? And that it's something that we will come to every day, every day, every day. That it's not something that is, um, that it can be there one moment and then, and then gone the next, but that it, it's always available to us to quote, uh, to quote a previous episode. Maya, thank you so much for your energy. Thank you thank for your time. You. 
listeners, I hope that you take some time to reflect and to pause and to absolutely go and to take a moment through Maya's virtual gallery at mayaclough.com. That's M-Y-A-C-L-U-F-F.com. And until next time. Listeners, thank you for joining me on the show today. If you have an idea or a concept or a question that you think that I should be exploring on the show, please drop me a line at anchor.fm backslash slade thackery.